Okay, I'm going to talk about joy. <laughs> and um, I'm a little bit nervous because I tried to find a joke about joy and couldn't find one. Well, that's a bit unusual, isn't it? Of all the subjects you'd imagine. And it, but that's a kind of, kind of a metaphor, isn't it? Joy is a result of something. It's not necessarily something you can focus on, although we are going to focus on it. Joy kind of wells up from somewhere. And uh, one of the things that Paul had to say to the Galatian Christians was simply this. Where is your joy? Turn to the person next to you and say, where is your joy? <laughs> Does anybody need any time to find it? You know, did you leave it at home? Was there a sandwich of anger and you know, uh, strife between when you got up and when you got here? Somehow you lost your joy. Did you lose it, lose it in the car coming here? That's quite a typical place to lose your joy. I'm often losing my joy in the car. And uh, that's a good question, isn't it? Where is your joy? And why is joy important? John Stott said this. The main, just say with me, main. main. The main mark of a justified believer is joy. Now, I don't like being down on the church in the UK, and I don't think we should be. But, you know, if you ask the average person in the, you know, streets, what they associate with joy, church probably wouldn't come to mind, would it? England getting to the semi-finals might come to mind for some people. Whatever your source of ecstasy and joy, it probably isn't the church. And yet, if John Stott is correct, the main mark of the justified believer is joy. C.S. Lewis, when he got converted, or after he'd been converted, you know, wrote uh, his autobiography, um, part of which is about his conversion, entitled Surprised by Joy. Isn't it? I wonder in what way he was surprised. Like, such a long time ago since I've read it. Um, but was he surprised that actually you could find joy in Christianity? Or was he just, you know, just surprised because he kind of met, met with God? says this in the New Bible Dictionary. It's good to quote the New Bible Dictionary occasionally. Is everybody familiar with it? I bought my copy in 1975 for £4. <laughs> it's probably £44 now. But um, Both in the Old and New Testaments, joy is consistently the mark both individually of the believer and corporately of the church. So it's in the Bible. Old and New Testament. You know, you haven't got the grumpy God in the Old Testament and the joyful God in the New. Just in case you had that theology. <laughs> it's throughout the Old Testament. And uh, another quotation, I think this is the New Bible Dictionary of Theology. Hey, we're doing the rounds here, aren't we, today? Joy is an essential ingredient of all true Christianity. Now note, these quotations are in books of theology. Just a quick plug for theology. Let's have a quick amen for your theology. Good, yeah. Stick your hand up if you're a theologian. Come on. You all need to put your hands up. Right, if you hadn't caught, caught that, you know. I've been preaching here for years. You must know the kind of things I do. <laughs> How embarrassing it's going to be. All right, uh, let's throw in a nice Greek word, because it's good to have Greek words. The Greek word... One of the Greek words for joy is kara. Now, see what I'm going to do here. So that if we're Christians and we're full of kara, we are good kara-zmatics. 
not bad, eh? That's not actually what the word charismatic means. <laughs> just in case you wonder, charisma means grace. Just to impress you with the, my background in Greek. <laughs> but we should be, shouldn't we? It's not correct etymologically. Oh dear, we are doing some words. Uh, the meaning of words. Um, but it actually should be true in our hearts. We should be charismatics. We are full of joy. The distinguishing mark of yours and mine life should be joy. Even when you're miserable. That is a great biblical truth. I was going to get to it later, but let's quickly cut to it now. 2 Corinthians 6, somewhere in that chapter. <laughs> Roundabout. Oh, we'll find it later. All right, but 2 Corinthians 6, you'll have to search for it. Paul says, I'm sorrowful, but always rejoicing. How about that? Sorrowful. So Paul's recognizing you can be sorrowful, you can lack joy for kind of good reasons. Right, so being rejoicing in sorrow isn't rejoicing because of the sorrow, because of the sorrow, as if the sorrow or what's causing the sorrow was good, because it's not. But actually, the miracle of the Christian life is a, is a way of finding joy even when you're sad. And this is not to say, as Paul says, you know, let's grieve with those who grieve. It's a kind of paradox, isn't it? Rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. There's a season. For everything, there's a season for grieving, there's a season for sadness. But out of that, even out of that, there comes joy. There is something about joy that is comprehensive in your whole life. So that's why Paul, actually Paul is appalled about what's happening in Galatia. And we haven't got time to look at it, but um, you can catch some of his, uh, the flavor of what he's Saying to the Galatians, if you just read the first few chapter, uh, the first chapter where he says, he says this. I am astonished. This is chapter one, verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now you don't hear Paul often saying, I wish they'd go to hell. To put it more colloquially. <laughs> let them be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than one accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul in Galatians, kind of like we would say today, cuts to the chase, doesn't he? It's not, I mean, he gives a little bit of introduction. There is a little bit of sort of, I'm an Paul, an apostle, and hello to this, and grace and peace to you. Now, the problem with you Galatians is you've lost something. So it makes Galatians quite different from some of the some of the apostles, some of the other epistles, the other letters, because Paul is determined to get at the heart of what's gone wrong here. So if Paul is going to ask the question, "Where is your joy?" then it seems that it's possible to kind of lose it, doesn't it? 
It's a bit like the discussion about whether you can lose your salvation. Actually, we'll come to that in a bit later. But, you know, you know, where is joy? Can you lose it? Well, kind of somewhere on the sur- surface of your life, it seems like you can. And yet, actually, is joy always there? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But what is joy? Um, you know, it's difficult to find a definition in the New Testament, a total definition. You kind of have to add it all together. But, you know, um, often we talk about people being on a spectrum these days, don't we? Especially in the areas of autism and Asperger's and, uh, you know, that, those kind of things. And, you know, you may have a spectrum of feelings. Well, I believe joy is a bit like that. There was a time when many in the evangelical world were on this end of the spectrum. They had joy deep down inside. So deep, it never showed itself. (laughs) And then we seem to swing to the opposite extreme. And, you know, it's all kind of, you know, Patrick lying on the floor laughing. (laughs) I know what you were thinking. (laughs) Some of you, or if you're a regular here, you think, hey, just normal Christianity. Somebody lying on the floor. Can you walking into work on Monday morning? We had some normal Christianity at our church on Sunday. There was a guy lying on the floor, uncontrollably laughing. It's normal. But there is that kind of ecstatic expression that's kind of somewhere up here on the spectrum, isn't it? Now, the good news, folks, is it's not either or. That thing that ends up here is probably a result of what's down here. Isn't it, Patrick? Have you got joy deep down in your heart? Amen. (laughs) Just want to burst into a song. I've got the joy of... Um, So, where? Yes. (laughs) Oh, come on. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. It's today and to stay, isn't it? Depending on where you are in, in the song, I think. Anyway, now the good news is if you're on, if you've got this whole spectrum of joy and you see it's not like, you know, God doesn't think, oh yeah, well they're kind of that kind of personality. So we better make sure the joy is tailored to them. They're quiet and conservative and very English. But those Zimbabweans, oh, goodness me. <laughs> I mean, if we tried that kind of stiff up a lip joy with them, how's that going to work out? <laughs> At this point in the sermon, I feel like sending these two kind of round, laying hands on people. You know, especially the white middle class English people. <laughs> are any of you left? Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> Where are we? How do you get joy? Well, you know, as as I said before, joy is a product of something. It comes out of the gospel, doesn't it? It comes out of God's love for you. I mean, these, I'll I'll quickly whip through these because we're going to get to the ten points that come at the end. (laughs) Just to excite you. (laughs) It's yours through the gospel. Jesus, just turn with me to, so many passages and only a few to look at. But look at John chapter 15. So much Bible and so little time. John 15, I hear the rustle of tablets. It's very disconcerting as a preacher when he said nowadays. I mean, you used to hear this all across the congregation because everybody bought their Bible with them. Anyway, I do recommend a, I do recommend a book to you. But hey, if you're going with tablets, fine. 
As the Father has loved me, this is verse 9, John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. That's a beautiful verse in the verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. You have the same quality of love the Father has for the Son. And the, the Father, you know, the Father's love for the Son too is the same quality of love that he has for you. Verse 11. I have told you this. Why? I've told you about this love. Why? I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Say with me, complete. I have complete joy. Amen. (laughs) It's comprehensive, isn't it? Joy can exist in whatever circumstance you're in. Joy can meet you wherever you are. And joy flows out of the fact that God loves you. It's, it's an outflow of the cross. It's an outflow of the resurrection. It's an outflow of the good news. If you are a born again Christian, you're being born again into joy. Joy that is complete. Joy that is continuous. Joy that is comprehensive. Joy that is charismatic. Joy, can't think of any other C's, but you, know, you make up your own list. Joy is comprehensive. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. The joy of the Lord. So where does joy come from? Joy is rooted in God. If you're miserable or you're kind of melancholic, heaven is going to be a problem to you. Can you imagine walking into a wall of joy? (laughs) Well, we're going to do that in a moment. (laughs) We do finish at half ten, don't we? I'm making reasonable progress. All right. Just quickly calculate. One minute for each point. No, I can't do that. <laughs> joy of the Lord is your strength. A third, as I, I like what Kevin Dedman says about joy. A third of the kingdom is joy. So he's referring to, I mean, not literally a third. I mean, who can, who can add up what heaven's like as if it was chopped up into different thirds? But, you know, you get the impression of what he's trying to say. Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So you've been born again into this kingdom... Actually, if you're not in the kingdom, do get into it. Is anybody not in the kingdom here this morning? Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom because he's inviting you into righteousness, peace and joy. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What does fruit do? It grows. There's another aspect of joy. Joy is continually growing in your life. You too can... Be like Patrick. <laughs> now, I, don't want to, I don't want to get over-egg that in a sense. You know, if, whatever the manifestation of joy in your life, that's okay. Ultimately, it's not the outward manifestation. But we love to have those outward manifestations. What's going on? You can sit as a quiet, reserved Englishman and have as much joy as Patrick lying on the floor. Being interesting. <laughs> it's what's in your heart that counts, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It abounds. Where does joy abound? Is this Eastgate? Is this Eastgate Church? How have I come to Eastgate Church this morning? Joy abounds in? In your heart. Somebody said it over here. In the presence of God. (laughs) 
Sorry, was that a little slight trick way? Psalm 16. Right, now write this down. Mark it in your mind. Study Psalm 16, particularly verse 11, where it says, In your presence there is a little bit of joy. 50% joy. Fullness of joy, isn't it? In the presence of God. So if you're lacking in joy, then get yourself into the presence of joy, joy of God, because that's where joy is. That's joy, where joy exists. I mean, you are going to walk into heaven, into this fullness of joy, aren't you? But you don't have to wait. There will be a fulfillment that's beyond our imagining. But when you pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you are praying for joy. I, you know, when I was in secondary school, we prayed, we had an assembly every day, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer every day. We weren't born again believers, but that's what you did in those days. Some of you, if you're younger, must be scratching your heads. You know, what? what? I mean, it's a state school, a boys' secondary modern school. Nothing wrong with those. But, uh, you know, um, but we prayed the Lord's Prayer, and it was rather sort of, we are now praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And actually, you could see, uh, you know, the school was started with the first, what was called first years there, now our year seven, and kind of worked back. And as you went up, you know, through the years, if you're in the fifth year, which is the, the oldest year, I didn't, we didn't have a sixth form in our school, you did it less and less, and you kind of smirked at the first years, who had to, because they were stood at the front, and the headmaster could see them. They had to mouth the words, and at the back of the row were going, and those who were really brave didn't say anything at all. I just wonder whether God listened to every time that I prayed that prayer. Well, obviously he was listening. And even though I wasn't really aware of it, I prayed it every day. And when I was 18, God said, what? There you are. There's, a, there's the answer to the prayer that you didn't know you were praying. I don't know. That's one of the questions we're going to ask God when I get to heaven. Because he hasn't revealed it to me yet. <laughs> It can be commanded, can't it? So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's one of those times where Paul repeats it. I will say it again. Rejoice. Philippians 4, verse 4. It's a choice that we make. It's something that can be stirred up. Well, if joy is inside you, if it's a fruit of the Spirit, it's a gift from God, then you can stir it up, can't you? You ever stirred love up in your life? You know, I really don't like them. I have to sit next to them at church on Sunday. <laughs> but you can, you can stir up your love for a person. It's amazing, isn't it? As we step into the commands of God, which Jesus is referring to in that passage in John, John 15. So love is released because love is something we make a choice about. And God releases his compassion through us. And we are able to love the unlovable. We're able to love our enemies. That's the miracle of Christianity, isn't it? But equally, we're able to be joyful even in circumstances that are difficult. We haven't got time to look at it, but if you look at Romans 5, when John Stott said that, what he said about joy, he was referring to Romans 5 and the first nine verses, where Paul commands us to rejoice and rejoicing in the midst of suffering, because suffering will lead to perseverance and character and hope and 
that kind of list in that, that's that, that's that passage. So whatever circumstances we're in, it can be released. But we can lose it, can't we? How can we lose it? Well, the Galatians lost it through going back to works righteousness. Trying to impress God by their works, particularly the workers' circumcision. Because they had been persuaded by the Jewish believers to do that. They had lost it through pleasing men rather than God. They had lost it, you can lose it through busyness. You can lose it even in the midst of pain and suffering, despite the paradox of that. You can actually lose it just through sheer boredom, can't you? Ever got bored? Is your Christian life boring? We try to make that impossible in this church. Okay? If, you are coming to, if you're coming to Eastgate and you want to be uh, bored, that, that should be difficult. <laughs> that should be, I believe it is difficult. What's the antidote to boredom? One of the anti- antidote, I, I can't say the word. Antidote? Dote? The antidote, yeah. Is to dream. What are you dreaming about? If you're wondering where the joy's gone in your life, that you're just kind of coasting along or just kind of in neutral, not in top gear, then what are you dreaming about? What are you asking God for at the moment? Because God wants you on this amazing adventure where, you know, not, not that we're not satisfied with what God's done so far, but there is always more. And I entitled this morning, There is Always More Joy. What is going to happen to Patrick when he gets more joy? (laughs) Well, we can watch and see. So how do you get it back? How do you get your joy back? Well, you never lost it, number one. These are the ten points in about five minutes. Number one, you never lost it because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's in there somewhere. That's an encouraging place to start, isn't it? So in a sense, you haven't got to go and find it. It's there. It's there because the Holy Spirit's inside you. So it's the potential there to be released. It needs to be stirred up, number two. It can be stirred up through worship, number three. Now, this is a menu. I don't expect you to get all these ten points. Just pick out the ones where you think, oh, yeah, that's for me this morning. All of our life is, a, is worship. In Ephesians 5:20, it says, sing and make music in your heart. It's difficult to sing and not be happy. Unless you're singing certain songs that don't, are not about happiness, obviously. Get into the Psalms, right? I mean, I've often taken that advice, and then you hit some psalm that's just a lament. Be warned. Psalms is a third lament, you know, sorrowful songs. But even they are intended to bring you back your joy. Because let's face it, when you're sorrowful, actually you think, yeah, that psalm's just for me at the moment. But often those songs lead you back into the presence of God. So try a few of them out. And if you just can't stand the laments, just skip a couple of pages, right? It's not lack of discipline, it's just a kind of season that you're in. Ask, let's look, look at this one verse, John 16. How do you get joy? Simple. Ask, John 16, verse 24, ask and you will receive. Say that with me. Ask and you will receive. Why? Because, and your joy will be complete. Why has it got a bit boring? Why has it got into neutral? Because you're not asking for stuff. Or maybe you ask and it hasn't arrived yet. It's like waiting for Amazon. 
<laughs> Anybody on Amazon Prime? When the book doesn't come the next day, I get... I'm tempted, sorry, to get out there. God does have a timetable, but, you know, asking sits alongside faith, doesn't it? But asking is a guarantee to get into joy. Because God loves to answer your prayers. So ask, sing and speak in tongues. Anybody done that this week? Is this his gate? <laughs> Let me stir you again. Speak in tongues. Make Paul your example. I speak in tongues more than all of you. You should be able to walk in here on a Sunday morning saying, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Can you imagine Paul? I mean, you'd expect it from Paul. But let's imagine Paul was here, but you didn't know it was Paul. And he can say, I speak... Uh, uh, look, folks, I know you've been Christians for quite a few years, but I actually speak in tongues more than all of you. I mean, Paul, when he wants to make a truth, he sounds arrogant, doesn't he? Have you ever felt that? Oof. Everybody wants Paul to be their senior pastor. Just try that. <laughs> Just read all the epistles, not just your favourite ones. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not trying to make out Paul's a bad guy, obviously. But, uh, you know, there are some straight speaking stuff that Paul, you know, has in something. One of those is that. But he's doing it to not to be arrogant, but to encourage us. Because you edify your spirit. And in the 21st century intellectual world, of which we are all part, even though only half a dozen of us think of ourselves as theologians, we're all good people with our minds. And a mind, your mind is a great gift. But here's God has given you a gift which you don't understand a lot of the time unless God gives you an interpretation. But that is for your edification. It's for your building up. You feel sorrowful? Speak in tongues. You're praying and you really run out of inter, you know, in, words for intercession, speak in tongues. You're going into a new situation that's difficult, speak in tongues. Speak in tongues every day. Try it. I start in the shower. It's a great place because you know, I'm just, I don't know why it is, but anyway. <laughs> you, know, you know, if that, logic, that works for you, fine. You know, I'm in the shower and I'm remembering Dave Webster talking about speaking. All right, let's, let's do it. Just get it rolling in your life so that it's a, a regular thing. Pursue the miraculous. I've run out. What am I on? Six or seven or something? Here's, here's a few more. Pursue the miraculous. Jesus did it constantly. Interesting, isn't it? In Galatians, if you go and look at it, chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, where Paul's saying, did you, did you have miracles, If paraphrasing it here, did you see miracles because you obeyed the law? No. You saw miracles because you lived according to the spirits. Right, so the miraculous was a continual experience up until a certain point in Galatia where they'd started to drift back to being justified by the law. It's great, isn't it, when you see miracles? So keep praying for the sick because it does you good. Is that okay? Yes. Should be showing compassion to other people. You know, it's all about them and Jesus and nothing about me. Yes, it is about you. It's it's much more complex than that. You know. You are part of the process. God wants you to be joyful. Do you think joyful, Jesus experienced joy when people got healed? You want to be like Jesus? Well, you can experience joy. Pursue the miraculous. 
Get involved with the lost. There is more joy over one sinner saved than 99 righteous people. That's interesting, isn't it? We've got an Alpha course coming on. Who are you inviting to it? Are you involved with people who don't believe? Are you praying for them? Are you inviting the stuff here at church? Get involved because there's no, I was going to say no to greater joy, but you know, this parable of the lost says there is more joy over one sinner saved than 99 righteous people. And there's lots of joy here. I don't know if we had 99, at least 99 this morning. But there's more joy that's going to be released, isn't it? Uh, lastly, be a cheerful giver. It's very practical joy, isn't it? You know, I'm not experiencing much joy. Okay, let's give. What can we give? Let's give. Haven't given for a while. Let's give. We gave last week. Let's give some more this week. It's a heart, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Always be thankful. And then lastly, keep an eternal perspective. I don't know why Patrick went to that verse we had talked about joy didn't he but he he quoted hebrews 12 jesus for who for the joy set before him endured the cross the eternal perspective is you are going to be living for eternity in joy and god has made it possible to release joy to you this morning hasn't he we stand